listening to another powerful message from C3 Southwest Washington. We are so excited you're here with us, and we believe God has more in store for you. Thank you, Abby. What a, what a great, great giving message, huh? Let's be in prayer for Abigail. She seems discouraged down in the dumps, struggling in her faith. What I would say to all of you adults is, if you're not a giver, wow. That's like getting blasted in the face with a fire hose of truth by a young adult. Amen? I th I'm thankful for the, uh, so many of our young adults, so many of our students who buy into the concepts of, that are in Scripture at an early age. Because sometimes at an early age, you think to yourself, well, I'll, I'll give when I can afford to give. How many of you know you can never afford to give? And how many of you know you can never afford to not give? Yes, absolutely. And so I appreciate, Abby, your, uh, your input there and your encouragement. Always a smile on your face. The Vanna White motions that went towards the background screen. Worship team, great job today. Appreciate you guys as well. And give our production team a big hand also. It's great to, great to be in God's house. As we start a new series, I'm going to have you stay standing, and I'm going to have you read this portion of Scripture with me. Uh, out of Ephesians chapter number six, and I'll try to move a little bit out of the way so that possibly you can see it. We're going to read it out loud together. It's a little bit lengthy, but this is going to be our, our sermon series scripture for all of this month. It comes out of the book of Ephesians chapter six. It really is uh, backs up our theme called Battle Ready, and uh, we'll dive in today. Go ahead and read with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Come on, nice and loud, okay? And in the strength of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the, day, in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore. For having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Great job. I only messed up one time going through there. Did you notice that? Not at all. You didn't notice it? That's a little bit lengthy, but that's God's word today. Uh, let's put your hand over your heart. Let's just go pray, pray over our own hearts for soft soil so that God's word can find root within it. So that if you need to understand that you're in a battle, you'll be able to see that. If you need to understand that there are tools available to you uh, to, to ex extinguish all the flaming darts, not most of them, all of the flaming darts, all of the attacks against your life, you can overcome as you walk in relationship with God and you honor his word at functioning in your life, okay? So hand over your heart. Father, I thank you so much for this great family. I thank you for the good things that you're doing. Father, right now we pray. We've got a number of people in our church body who are sick right now. Uh, it's that time of year where the season changes, but Lord, we believe for your healing. Uh, we speak over the, those who are in need of your touch. Maybe they're listening online right now, or we'll watch this later. Lord, you're able to miraculously heal. And we do thank you for our doctors and 
uh, the, the great understanding that is regarding the body and the world that we live in. But Lord, we also understand where our knowledge comes to an end, God, your supernatural is able to make up the gap between the difference. And so we pray today to be recipients of your word, to step into all that you have. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said amen and amen. You could be seated. Uh, and I wanted to entitle, give the Lord a hand before you're seated because we don't know what to do if we don't clap. Um, I've entitled this message, Eat the Evil Day. And that comes right out of the portion of scripture that we read out of Ephesians chapter six. And um, this season, this series scripture uses military phrasing that I think is really valuable. And it, um, all of scripture leans into battle themes in the Old Testament and the New Testament, but this one especially, it, it, it gives us an idea of the fact that we have enemies, that there are battle tactics, that there are weapons that we fight with, that there's a defense, and that we should be committed to winning in our own lives and for the sake of the people in our world around us and our families. Um, that is battle, battle uh, language is the language of the Old Testament when you read it. I think it's important to recognize that. I know that God is a God of love, but in his love for us, he's equipped us to do battle so that we can win, so that we can experience his win on our behalf, so that what Christ did on the cross won't be left on a shelf, but we will be able to appropriate it to our lives and battle through because when you step into a relationship with God, you also step into some opposition. Um, the language of the Old Testament allows us to see from, from the beginning start that there was a war on man, and man lost that war, but the war continues on as the generations have rolled in, and God began to show his love to Abraham, to show his plan to Abraham to build a kingdom. And we, we read from the book of Genesis all the way up to the book of Malachi, battle language that really looks at the, the people of God, the, the Jewish nation, the Hebrews, as people who were fighting their way out of imprisonment to step into all the promises of God. I was thinking this morning about how you and I are born into this world and we're really oblivious to any type of battle at all. Um, think about this for a second. If you were born to your, 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 your mom or your, your parents, but if your parents were imprisoned while you were born, as a child, that would become your very practical reality. And so however life functions, however provisions come, what you're allowed to do, what you're allowed not to do, it really would be your norm. And you would have no real sense of anything greater outside of those four walls of the prison or that compound that you were in. And that really is, has been the plight of you and I from the day that we are born. We are born in a compound called this world where the, really the, the, the ruler of the compound is, is the devil. It's the enemy himself. And he imprisons man underneath his deception. And the reason why Jesus came was to not only purchase the right to open the door so that we could step out, but to purchase the right for us to walk in victory after we do. You tracking with me? Three of you, great, okay, should I start over and we'll just drill it? He, he's purchased the right so that we can step out, but purchase the, all that is necessary for us to step into, out of the kingdom of this world, through the door, into the kingdom of heaven here on earth, to experience all the good things that he has for us. Um, Jesus, um, it's interesting in looking at the early church or really before the church when Jesus shows up, that kingdom mentality that the Old Testament people had where they established their kingdom, they built Jerusalem, they had great kings, time passed, the kings didn't serve God, those kings were attacked, 
They were taken into bondage. They were deported. And, and really, the nation of Israel was occupied. And, and we see that they've lost the battle. And when Jesus comes on the scene in the beginning of the New Testament, the Jews, the Hebrews, are living in their homeland, but in four, they're, they're really in prison. And the, it, physically, they're in prison because the nation of Rome has occupied their city, has occupied their land, now runs and rules everything, and allows them to function at just high enough a level where they can still be a people, but they have to serve the nation of Rome. But they very much are ingrained with this kingdom mentality with their lives, and that's why when uh, Jesus begins to preach, they ask him this question in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. They, so when they came together, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. They had a battle mindset, and the fact that they had lost and were occupied had not been lost on them. And they saw God's son show up, and they, they assumed in their mind that he had showed up to help them battle through the, the things that were restraining them, the nation of Rome, so they could step back into their own leadership under God and enjoy um, that free nation status. But Jesus, immediately at the beginning of his ministry, began to shift their focus from an earthly kingdom that we see in the Old Testament to a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of heaven that he was establishing here on earth so that they could step out here on earth through the, through the bars that would keep us imprisoned and step into the kingdom of heaven before we even die. And so we see that as some of the dialogue happens throughout the, book, throughout the New Testament. John chapter 18 Jesus says this, my kingdom is not of this world. In other words, it's a kingdom, but it's not established in the ranks that you understand like the kingdom of Israel or the kingdom of Rome. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Matthew 4, 17, at that time, Jesus began to preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, it's close. You can, you can reach out and grab onto the kingdom of heaven. It's available to you. Luke chapter 17, verse 21, he, he reveals the kingdom of heaven is established within you. It's not a kingdom that you could see with your eyes, but it's a kingdom once you step into, it becomes established within you, within your thoughts, within your heart, within your experience, within your hopes, within your dreams. God as king is a real practicality that can be established within the confines of who you are and you can be free in that kingdom. Matthew eleven twelve gives us a, uh, a firm battle concept, though, with this kingdom. Uh, it says the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. It just lets you know that this kingdom that Jesus is talking about, while it's a spiritual kingdom, there is a battle. There, there is definitely a battle going on, and the sooner you understand that, the better you will be able to navigate through this kingdom so that you can experience the full reign of God in your life and be able to reach through all of the attacks that you'll go through and the challenges that you'll go through to be able to experience every good thing that God has for your life. And so much of Jesus' teaching was committed to discussing kingdom realities and battle concepts. And I won't get into all of that because Paul leans in our scripture into greater detail here in the book of Ephesians. And so for the next few weeks throughout the month of October, we're going to be looking at the concepts that are here, and I think it's important for you to understand them, to see them, because 
whether you want to participate or not, there is a battle going on around you, against you, against what God has for you. And you can either be passive and just say, well, whatever happens is meant to be, which will be way short of what God has for you. Or you'll recognize the battle and put on the whole armor of God and all that's been appropriated for your life and battle through to receive and experience all the good things that Jesus died for. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I want to really focus your attention on the fact that Paul emphasizes strategic timing in this, this, and that's what I want to focus on today. None of the weapons that we have what I really want to have you to understand is that there, there is a battle that's going on around you every day. Now, as you live your life, as you follow Jesus, well, if, if you're not following Jesus yet, I just want to put back out to you that you are living within a guarded compound without even realizing it. I know it's the norm for your whole life, but there's a whole world outside of those doors that God is inviting you to step into, a, a doorway of a relationship with him where he's involved with every moment of every day of your life, where he opens the, the beyond the natural possibilities into the supernatural plan, a relationship with him where he helps you to accomplish all the things that you dream about and dreams that he places in your heart. And I would challenge you, if you've yet to start a relationship with God, here's the bummer. You are already an occupied city and you don't even realize it. But if you will begin to, to see through the walls and the prison bars that would occupy your life, There is a life of abundance that's outside of those prison walls that Jesus makes available to you as you say yes and you step into a relationship with him. Now with that, there is stepping out, you're gonna experience the battle will still go on. I mean, the last thing that a occupying force wants you to experience is freedom. And once you begin to experience freedom, there is an attack. And there is a strategic attack that really is focused on timing. Um, there is a, how many of you know, if, you, if, if somebody were trying to break in your house, there are some strategic times that they would do that, and there are some less than strategic times. You're sitting out there with your family on the front porch, how many of you would say that's not a strategic time? In fact, reading through scripture, Jesus looks at people who are functioning in darkness, and he says, darkness is your, is the, is your time. Men love darkness for their deeds are evil. In other words, when's likely somebody gonna break into your house? When you're not on the front porch with your family, when you're not at home or in the nighttime. Why? It's more strategic. And believe it or not, we read all throughout the Old Testament in actual physical battles, but also in the New Testament and the Old Testament spiritual battles, the enemy has a strategy and much of the, t- the, the strategy has to do with timing, right? And you see that all throughout scripture. So um, you see that it mentioned here in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13, this idea of the evil day. It says that you may be able to withstand the evil day. How many of you know that every day has a little bit of evil mixed in there, right? But what Paul's trying to emphasize, there will be days really when evil is unleashed against you. Anybody, you've experienced a few of those. Like a, a day where out of the blue an unexpected event happens or a altercation happens or something comes unraveled and you get news that you didn't expect. Maybe it's from the doctor or your boss or from a friend or a family member and it's like an all-out assault on your life and there, this becomes one of those days that it's evil. Um, I won't go into all the details, but there have been a few of those days that I've personally experienced and it's 
always shocking to me, but as I stand back, it's never shocking because there is a strategy to the timing that those things show up in my life. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, uh, Paul mentions with this evil day that there is some scheming of the devil that goes along. That Greek word is methodia, which means method, and it's this idea that there's actually a method to the attack against your life. Have you, have you begun to recognize, if you've been walking with the Lord for any length of time, the strategy that is directed against your life? Do you, do you see that? The timing, the strategy of the timing against your life. And in fact, you should take note of that because you're going to discover that it's not chess, it's checkers. The enemy has some very distinct strategy that's different in my life than your life, but once you begin to see his strategy, you can pretty much stay one step ahead because there is a method to his attack. There, are, there is a method to this unleashing of an evil day over your life. Ephesians verse chapter 4, a couple chapters before the one that we're reading, because it has that same battle theme, it talks about the craftiness in deceitful schemes. It's a crafty scheme, his timing, and it's also a deceitful scheme in his timing. The enemy always it functions in deception, always functions in trying to hide sleight of hand, trying to make it look like one thing when it's really something else. Uh, this, this method is planned and it's conscious, and it includes cunning deception and craftiness. You know, when you read Luke chapter 4, even when Jesus was being tempted, his first temptation, if you think about the events of what's going on, Jesus has just fasted for 40 days. Now, I don't know about you, but if I've, I've never fasted for 40 days, but I've fasted for a number of days, and I can tell you the more you go on with a fast from a spiritual position, man, the eye of the tiger is playing. I don't know if you, this generation even knows what that is, but the Rocky theme is playing in the background with every moving day. And after a while, believe it or not, you're no longer hungry. You just feel very tuned in and very dialed in, very much aligned with God. I'm looking forward to our November fast. We'll have the opportunity to do that as a family. But what ends up happening is you begin to begin really dialed into spiritual things after a few days because you set aside the time. I don't even understand in my mind what it would be like to fast for 40 days. I've got a couple of friends who have, and I'm telling you what, it's, it's dynamically marked their lives in their alignment with God and their ability to see the Spirit of God flow through them. And so wouldn't, it, it, as I look at this, when the devil comes to tempt Jesus at the end of the 40 days, I'm like, I would think that probably day two would have been a better approach. And now that Jesus is dialed in after 40 days, I would think it'd be very difficult to really tempt him. But now he is hungry, but that's not the only temptation that the enemy points his way. As you read Luke 4:13, it says the devil had ended every temp had ended every temptation. And here's the key: he departed from him until an opportune time. The enemy recognized that this is not my opportunity. This is an iron gate. I can't get through. He is on the top of his spiritual game, and he is on guard, and so I'm going to walk away to look for an opportune time. And my challenge for you to see today is that there are opportune times in your life, and if you're aware of them, you'll, begin, you'll be able to be better on guard, right? Um, it's when you know that someone's going to try to break in your house, that's when you're locking the door and your security cameras are on high alert, right? And so understanding the rhythm to that 
is so valuable. Um, Matthew chapter 12, verse 14, even the enemies of Jesus, they, the Bible says that they conspired against him and at times they would leave him and go away to plot to see how in the future they could destroy him. And so there was that same timing for them as well. Um, Luke chapter, uh, let's see, Luke chapter 11, verse 53 through 54, the Pharisees began to press him hard to try to provoke him about many things, lying in wait to catch him in something he might say. There was a strategy to their timing. In fact, even Judas, Matthew 26, verse 16. And from that moment, Judas sought an opportunity to betray him. He was looking for the right moment, for the right open door where all of the, all of the appropriate covering would be for him to sneak in and then betray Jesus. So there is a strategy about time, the evil days that you and I face. I'm not talking about the everyday, the fired arrow up over the city wall that may take you out in the foot and you're like, ah, oh, I got a flat tire. Why is this happening to me? Because every day has a little bit of evil, right? You know, not everything is, is a direct all-out assault. Not every day is what the Bible's talking here about the evil day, but I'm talking about those big days, those big moments that come and attack us. So, with that, let's jump into a couple of the day, uh, evil days that I want you to put on your calendar so that you can understand them. When a all-out attack comes against your life, sometimes the timing is it's just prior to a really big thing that God wants to do. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I have experienced this in very real ways. When the greatest attacks against my life come, it's usually to try to trip me up before the better things that God has for me can arrive. Because how many of you know that while God has a calendar of great things he wants to do in you and through you, sometimes we can find ourselves taking an exit ramp before we get there because we get entangled in something that we shouldn't be involved with? Or is it just me? Nobody here tempted by the devil? Nobody have these types of challenges? Okay, push the person, neighbor, the person next to you say, hey, this might be for you. That when there is actually a sense of excitement, a sense of joy that comes into me when there is this moment of attack because I step back and I'm like, okay, this is not just happening for no reason. The timing of this smells, mm, there's a fragrance. It, it reminds me of the time, oh yes, the time back before when the same type of thing happened, but immediately after that, really good things broke loose. It's like the enemy can almost see over the horizon and see good things coming down the road for me, and he doesn't want me to happen, have them, so he puts this great big Roadrunner sign that says, Detour. Anybody who've ever watched Roadrunner when you were a kid? And Wiley Coyote puts out the sign that says, Detour. It's a fake detour meant to destroy the Roadrunner. He needed to ignore it and keep going forward. How many of you know that you can see those detour signs in your life? When the enemy attacks and realize, ah, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to be sucked into going over there. That is a distraction from the good things that God has for my life. Amen. So when you read down through scripture, uh, this happens so many times all throughout scripture. But one of the key times is just prior to Jesus being born. The son of God coming into the world, the greatest event, the greatest kingdom event that other than the resurrection First and foremost, the birth of Jesus, the miracle of God in the flesh, who has set aside his deity, has come in the form of man to live life and grow in strength and then demonstrate for us what it was to live in a pure way in relationship with God. How many of you know the enemy saw that coming and wanted to put that fire out before it ever got started? Yeah. 
And so it's a tragic story that we read about. Uh, but Matthew chapter 2, 16, Herod, who was the leader, you know, part, part of the leadership of the Roman Empire occupying in a natural way this battle against the kingdom of God, but in a spiritual way also, he was battling the coming of the kingdom of God. It says when Herod realized that he had been tricked by the wise men as to, you know, the star and the birth of Jesus, when he realized he had been tricked by them, because they were supposed to come back and tell him where this king was born. And they were warned in a dream, don't go tell Herod, he's going to kill this boy. So they left and went home a different way. When Herod realizes this, he becomes furious, the Bible says. And he sent and he killed all, all, I mean, think, of, think about this, the, act, the attack, how dark and, and desperate and evil it is. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. And certainly if you were one of those families that had a boy that was two years or younger, having the government come in and extirpate, I'm telling you what, governments, you give, them a, you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. Yeah. It's newsflash. I mean, there's great moments and great reason for having governments, but man, freedoms will be under attack under the agenda of people who want to just rule for power and personal gain. And so Herod here was concerned based on the astrologist that another king was being born, and it threatened his kingdom. So regardless of the fact that it's human life, he had boys exterminated in the whole nation to or under. As you know the story, Jesus's family had been warned in a dream, and they escaped to Egypt. But this attack is very strategic because before something good can get started, the enemy usually will attack before the start. Now, for those of you who are experiencing attack, for those of you who are experiencing this type of cycle, come on, take a closer look at it and ask yourself, is this meant to be that fake detour promising better things when in reality, God's got a God moment for me? And we see this happen all throughout Jesus's life later on prior to going to the cross, the struggle that he had even before his ministry launched. It usually happens to people just before... They give their life to Jesus. What happens? They hit the bottom of the barrel because the enemy's all out attacking, knowing the Spirit of God is drawing their heart. I know that was that way for me. That's the story of so many people that before they said yes to Jesus, life was its worst because the enemy knew what was coming. Uh, just before the ink is dry on your salvation commitment or any commitment you've just made to the Lord. You know, there's the moment of decision and then there's the steps that it takes to get traction for those good things to come. How many of you know this is a really strategic moment that even though you've declared, I'm going to follow Jesus, that right after you begin the process of moving forward, since it's still in the beginning phase, the enemy will attack the hardest. I watch young adults especially and teenagers come into this house, experience powerful movement of God in their life, and then about five seconds after they say yes to Jesus... Uh, the enemy opens doors and relationships and opportunities that weren't there before, but to pull their attention away and draw them away from a thing that they've just barely even begun. Amen? So be aware of that. The big attack is indicative of a coming big breakthrough or a breakout. And so that's part of his strategy. Okay, next one that I want to give you today, uh, the evil day during seasons of kingdom success. 
You know, there's a, a cycle that happens when we're, we're really in a battle and we're calling out to God, God, I need your help, and we're trying to wade through, and then the answer comes. Yes comes from the new company, or yes comes from the doctor's diagnosis, or yes comes from financial provision, or yes comes in a, maybe a, a uh, emotional breakthrough where you've been able to bust out of the depression or whatever's held you back in your past. And you begin that process of being so excited, so appreciative. God, you are so good because, man, you could still smell the smell of prison right behind you, right? I mean, there's a fragrance of being in prison. And as you begin to step out, you're so thankful and you're thanking God and you're just beginning to enjoy success. But over time, as we watch throughout the Old Testament, the Israelites, and as I observe human nature, sometimes what happens is that winning, it is awesome, but there is a danger of losing appreciation for where you were before the win. A little time goes by, and now your prison clothes are gone, and now you've got your, you know, whatever it is that, you know, whether it's, you know, um, Costco or it's Target or it's Kohl's or maybe you shop online, okay? And you, you got some, some stuff that's got an insignia that's really expensive. Regardless, as time goes by, we tend to lose the smell of what's in the past and we get used to our newfound freedom. It is easy to move from appreciation for what God has done into relaxing in the new life we have. The freedom from the chains, the freedom from prison, the freedom from the deep, dark, traumatic trial. And I'm not saying we should always live with the fragrance, but I'm going to tell you what, it's good to look in the rearview mirror once in a while and remind yourself of the things that God has done. It will keep you grounded. It will help you to understand better the attack. Because what happens is when you go from appreciation to relaxation, Oftentimes, we move into a season of entitlement, like this is my life, this is what I deserve, right? Remember when you didn't have a job, and then you were thankful for the job, and now you're angry with the boss because he's not paying you what you're worth. And there is time for negotiations, and probably you will have to have a discussion about seeing your, your salary move forwards, but don't lose the, rem the remembrance of what it was like to not have a job and the fact that God opened the door for you to get that job. Because if you move into this comfortability and then feeling entitled, what actually happens is you've just created a calendar appointment for yourself for an evil day. And it's not on God, it's, it's something that you have manufactured because what you've done is you've swung open the door out of a lot, because the, the, the protection that you have is in the relationship and the appreciation for what God has done, the moment that you pull him off of the throne and you step up there saying, oh, I'm experiencing all that I deserve. You've just replaced him, and guess what? Now you have to defend your own city. Anybody? You alive? You well? In fact, I would challenge you, a cycle that I observe in people's lives when they come into the church, this is 40 years of being a Christian, okay, almost. I'm within a year of that. It's been that long. I know you're trying to figure out, do the math. You're 35, but you've been a Christian for 40 years. Yes, in gestation for five years in the, my mother's womb. Um, I, uh, <laughs> wow, that's a difficult birth. <laughs> Thank God it was C-section. No, it actually was. Um, <laughs> what if, anyways. Phew. Listen, I'm not cross the line like some of you, so I'm going to keep moving. Um, in, the pro in the process of, um, where was I going with this? 
Let me back it up. What was I saying? Yeah, is, is, it's an amazing thing to watch somebody hit, hit rock bottom and come in and discover that God is the answer and really begin to press in on the journey and say yes to him and begin to press forward and begin to fight their way through and the victory that Jesus offers, they begin to grab onto the tools and grab onto the things that make getting out of this prison a possibility. And, and usually there's so much debris back there, it's hard to even see a future that's good but they're striving and they're praying and they're reading their Bible daily and they're calling up their friends and they're always in church. They're always coming up to the altar and they're always giving and they're always like, God, whatever, uh, whatever it takes, they're, they're clawing their way to the promises of God. And then one of the cycles for some people is once they hit the promises of God, they're good. There's no more smell of fire behind them. And now they're kind of like, life's good. You know, I've the past is the past, and God, you got good things for me. And then some of the good things begin to show up, and these are my good things, and I deserve these good things. And they begin to back off the prayer. They begin to back off church attendance. They begin to back off involvement. They begin to back off the understanding there is still a very real battle that'll still come for you. And if you pull God down off the throne from where you, al you allowed him to rightfully position himself, you will have to defend the city on your own. And if you look at the book of Exodus... Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through, you'll watch this crazy cycle that you'll read it and say, how come those Israelites are so stupid? God does all these great things, and yet they turn back and want to go to Egypt, and oh, let's eat the, the leeks and the garlic. I don't know why you want to eat leeks and garlic, okay? However, they look back at the past and always want to chase the same stupid things that got them into prison that God needed to bust them out of in the first place. Listen, if, take a, you, you need to take a serious look at your life because if that is you constantly going through that circle of experience, you have positioned a strategically repeating event on your calendar because of your own actions. You've actually made the enemy's strategy very simple. You actually create the moments where he comes in. Now, beautiful thing is when the bottom falls out, because you've engaged in some of the same things, God is still wonderful and faithful, and he'll meet you right there back in the prison that you've created. But I wanna tell you, after a while, you'll have enough scars on your life to be able to say, God is good, but look what I've done to myself. And I just challenge you to think that through. Be as strong after God in the days of good as you are in the days of evil. In fact, accelerate more as you get out of that prison because that's where the compounding interest of his favor and his blessings really begins to step in as you accelerate forward. I don't have any trial. Then what are you praying for? To know him and the power of his might and the power of his resurrection so that I can experience all the good things that he has for me. Is the, are the flames way in the rearview mirror? Great. Serve God, seek after God and keep that door shut Otherwise, you've created an evil day for your very self. Well, I can't, I can't finish point number three. Who was it that said not to, was it Jen Davenport who preached not too long ago and said, I've only got two points because nobody here ever makes it through three? Yeah. <laughs> I actually thought of that when I was putting this together. I'm gonna skip over point number three. Why don't you stand with me? Some of you are like, what? Oh, I'll drag this part out. Right, right, Jocelyn? <laughs> Jocelyn had this great post uh, it was of a pastor saying, and in conclusion, I'll be just real quick, and then there was this just paragraphs of stuff, and Jocelyn was so kind. She said, 
and we wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Thanks, Jocelyn. I appreciate it. Um, let me just give you a, one little point. It's not point number four. But if you are living in a never-ending evil day and there's hardly a gasp of victory, I want to challenge you that it's likely that the enemy has gotten some territory in your life and is functioning and needs to be evicted. Some, some repentance needs to take place. Some new strategy needs to take place. Sometimes, do you, How many of you know that that being deceived by that detour sign is not, not out of the evil in your heart. It's probably a lack of being connected with the navigator, the GPS system, the Spirit of God. It's not being connected enough to realize deception. It's not that you're evil. It's that you were, how many of you, I, I'm gonna raise my hand before I even ask a question. How many of you have been deceived before? Oh man, I've, I've, uh, I have been flat out deceived. It happens sometimes, the enemy will deceive you through people, through circumstances, through situations, through your own voices in your head. You can become deceived. And it's not because you're sinful, but it's because you've just not been plugged in. There is, and I, I'll just try to look at every one of you in the eyes, there is a tremendous attack against your life. And Jesus has given his life so that you could step out of the prison and step into abundance. And while the attack is going on, he's got a lot of tools, he's got a lot of methodology, a lot of options for you to be able to fight well and extinguish every, say that word with me, every one of the enemy's flaming darts. That you can actually navigate and not be taken out by any of his darts, okay? But it's gonna take you engaging and recognizing we're playing for keeps. We're playing for keeps for our kids for our grandchildren, for the generations to come. There's some things that are battling against your life, the good thing that you're trying to do. Why is there such a battle? Well, God, I'm trying to do a good thing. How come I'm facing all of this battle? Because you're trying to do a good thing. Welcome to the kingdom that we take it by force, but it suffers violence. You gotta fight for this thing. Fight for the things that Jesus fought for as well. Okay, anybody here, you, you experienced the battle hot and heavy? Right? How many of you, how many of you have won a few? Come on, get your hand. I've won a few. I've lost a couple, but I won lots of them. I've won a lot of them. He's helped me to win a lot of battles. But I see his timing at work in my life. Do not, do not give in to the battle that's to disguise you from the best. And do not sucker yourself into a battle that you don't need to be in because you've not stayed engaged with the one who set you free. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for your faithfulness. God, I thank you for the goodness that you have for all of us. I thank you that this battle has already been won. I just need to be partnered with you and navigate forward because of your goodness at work in my life. Lord, I declare you are king over my life. Come on, if that's you, say that with me. I declare that you are king over my life. I declare that you are victor over my life. I accept all that you have won on my behalf. I'm gonna fight for all the good things that you have for me. God, I'm gonna fight not only for myself, but in, my, in the strength that you provide for me, it will, it will be, it prepare me to fight on behalf of those that I love, those that I care about, people that I have yet to even meet. I'll be in a strong place, battle ready to help them win their day of evil. 
So Father, I pray that you would help us to have that battle mindset. God, you are a God of love and you are also a warrior. You, 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 you are love and yet there is a day coming where you will extinguish all of your final enemies, the Bible says. And that's such a beautiful balance, a balance that we wanna walk in, God. Lord, we thank you so much for all that you've done. Jesus, you are King, you are Lord. I declare that over my life right now today. In Jesus' name, help me to win. Amen and amen. Hey, let me pray for you one more thing. If you, uh, and I won't call you up front, the worship team is just gonna, is gonna sing here in a moment and you can kind of pray over yourself uh, where you're at. How many of you, you like dealing with big time battle right now in life in general? Anybody, there's a few of you. A couple of you have some health issues. Some of you are battling on behalf of your family. Some other things going on. Looking behind me, okay. Um, I wanna pray for you here just really quick. I also wanna pray for you. Maybe you've not yet said yes to stepping in or stepping out of this world into a relationship with God. And I wanna challenge you to make that decision today as we pray. And I want you to let me know afterwards that you've prayed that prayer. But I want you to say, Lord, I, 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 I believe I don't even know everything, but I, I believe. I say yes to you being the warrior on my behalf, and I want all that you have. And you just simply ask him to do that. Do that today. Make sure you let one of us know afterwards that you've done that, okay? All right, because that's where we, all of us start. I was 18 years old when I prayed that prayer the first time. And I stepped out of the prison cell the greatest day of my life, and then I found out there's also a battle swirling around. But I'm not overwhelmed because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world, right? Amen. Okay, Father, we thank you so much. I pray over each person right now who is in a battle. Lord, uh, while the enemy attacks, I pray that you'll give them the awareness of the attack. Lord, help them to have the understanding that it's not just a spiritual battle. There are also physical things that need to be done. We need to pray, but we also might need to adjust some of what we're doing. Father, I pray for supernatural wisdom and a revelation that comes from the Spirit of those detour signs that have sucked us off the path. Father, I pray for some recognition of the cycles that maybe some of us deal with, where, you know, it's, it's that up and down and up and down and circling back and going back into prison because of our own, our own actions. Lord, I pray for that revelation. God, we love you. We honor you. We, we step into victory with every step we take because you are the victorious one. We declare this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen. Thanks for being with us today. Be sure to like and subscribe and visit us at c3swwa.com for more information about our church.